A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Heko nai purangi te nei na te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. What I see over these next 20 years is that ABI's research will be making a difference in the lives of patients. New Zealand patients will be benefiting from our digital twins. Kia ora, nau mai harama ki te au hurihanga. Hello and welcome to Our Changing World, ko Clegg and Cannon Danny. The cloud on Auckland's waterfront is the venue for the Auckland Bioengineering Institute's birthday party. And as Deputy Director Professor Marin Tafai tells me, everyone's invited. We've been building towards this for a number of years. The ABI turned 20 at uh, the start of COVID. We wanted to celebrate. Of course, we couldn't. So now we are putting on this event um, and inviting the public in. Bioengineering the Future, the ABI's 20th-ish birthday party, took place in mid-May, where for five days the cloud was filled with displays, games and activities representing the different areas of research at the Institute. Our goal really is to do world-leading research using bioengineering technologies and approaches. Developing new medical technologies is one of the outcomes. Others are discovering you know, new understanding of how the body works and how we can exploit that understanding for better diagnosis and treatment of disease. To get a better idea of what kind of things they research, Marin and I go for a stroll through bioengineering the future. We start at the entrance near the coffee cart in front of a person-sized vertical screen. We're standing in front of the magic mirror at the moment. Uh, the magic mirror is mapping various organ systems onto the body. Yeah, I've got a skeleton and some lungs happening, which is very strange looking. Yeah. <laughs> yep, strange looking, but lots of fun. Yeah, I can see my skeleton arms holding out the microphones yeah, yeah, as well. Yes, exactly. No, it's working surprisingly well, actually. Um, this is just a fun demonstration, of course, particularly appealing to children but it is also trying to explain the concept of a full human digital twin. The digital twin concept is something the Institute is well known for internationally. They're working to develop models of all the different systems in the body and combining them together. Then, by feeding in a person's own data about how their body works, you can create a twin, a precise digital model. This is routinely used in other areas of engineering. For example, aircraft jet engines. A digital twin of the engine will have all the aspects of the mechanical, electrical and chemical processes that are involved in that engine functioning. And then data from how the engine is actually performing can be fed into this. This means you can then stress test where points of failure might be, or know when the best time to do maintenance is. The digital twin mimics every aspect of the engine, plus gets kept up to date by feeding in real measurements of how the engine is performing across time. Of course, bodies are super complex, and you've got so many different scales going on. Molecular, cellular, tissue level, up to organs and whole systems. So it's a big challenge for the ABI. Today in the cloud, they've divided the area into different research sections. So this is the beats and breaths area, bringing together displays around our heart and lung research. Of course, the heart and lungs have to work really well together. 
As well as the general public, the ABI have also invited different schools to their birthday party. And just arrived from Te Farikura o Kirikiriroa are some rangatahi here to explore the different displays. Kia ora. Kia ora. Ko ngā koroa te tūnua. Nō he koe? Nō waikato no ngā te kou. What are you excited about or interested to learn about today? So I want to become a doctor and this could help me understand more of the body than I do. So yeah, understanding what biology or bioengineering is. Is there a particular part? Uh, I don't know. I suppose a doctor needs to know everything about the yeah. body, right? Yeah. Is there a particular part of this that you're you think you'll be more or less interested in? The oh, I heard the lady saying that um, they're trying to make new, like it makes a new body of yourself. Yeah, like yeah. A, a computer model yeah, yeah, of yeah. like how your body works. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. So, what year are you in? I'm year eleven. And so by the time you finish your medical degree, that'll be what, like eight years from now? Eight years, yeah. So there could be a lot of yeah. different and new technology at that time. Yeah, so it's good to see what bioengineering is going to do for the future, I guess. So yeah. I leave Nakorowai studying a hologram display of the respiratory system, and Marin and I continue our journey. Next section is connection and empathy. You can see displays for virtual reality and augmented reality. I can see a mind reader. What's that doing? Somebody's got a weird cap on their head. So the work that uh, Professor Mark Billinghurst and his group do is new ways of interacting um, with computers, measuring electrical signals from the brain and interacting with virtual reality systems. Sitting in a chair with an EEG cap on to detect his brainwaves is Jace, and researcher Tamil Selvan Gunasekaran is just explaining to him how to play a familiar-looking, but actually very different, game. So basically we developed a mind-controlled Angry Bird game. It's called Relax Birds. So what you do is you ask participants or users to focus on the Angry Bird. The more they focus, the longer the Angry Bird flies. The less they focus, they, it falls near to the slingshot. So here the main application factor is how to improve the concentration or engagement of users or students to focus on a task in a better way. So this is one of the classic examples where we created a, this game so that it gives more engaging to students, also improves their focus level. It looks pretty fun, but I'll leave them to it. We're moving from connection and empathy and into robotics and biomimetics. Yes. So we have here the uh, world-leading Tanifa, a underwater human-powered submarine that's won the international races, so all inspired by the movement of fish. It's kind of got a fish-like shape. I mean, it yes. looks like a really rotund tuna or something. Like a really chunky tuna. It does, and can you imagine having to lie inside it? Really? So it is human-powered, but the way that it moves mimics fish movement to keep it stable. So to keep it moving, and so the, the human moves it, but to keep it stable, you know, the tail movement um, is all mimicking a fish. So this is what the biomimetics group is known for, is mimicry from nature to inspire the robotics. So we're now in moving and thinking, 
So here we have a number of displays from the musculoskeletal research area. So I see a surgical simulation station. People can pretend that they're yes, surgeons, I so guess. They, they can test doing um, a virtual surgery using the models that the, that the group have developed for, in this case, um, of the knee. And before us, there is now a giant brain. Yes, so let's walk through the giant inflatable brain. <laughs> it's got some information inside, talking about different diseases of the brain, stroke, Parkinson's disease. And we come out the other side to sensors and devices. And the first thing we see is a giant structure that has a number of cameras all mounted around it. This is used to image the whole outside of the body. We started off looking at the magic mirror. This gives us the imaging of the body that the organs can then be mapped into. So this is again part of the digital twins. That's right. So, so the digital twin, it's computer based, but it all has to be based on data. And the first data is to actually capture the human body, the outside of the human body, and as it moves, changes posture, our skin moves, you know, so this is capturing really high fidelity information, so highly accurate body surface information. The next area is men's and women's health, with some displays on reproduction health, a prostate biopsy game, and the FemFit stand one of the spin-out companies that has developed out of ABI research. So FemFit produces intravaginal pressure sensors for training the pelvic floor, so giving immediate feedback on pressures and whether you're doing pelvic floor exercises correctly. And we're now going right. through another <laughs> giant inflatable something. Yeah, you're walking through a giant inflatable colon. Uh, watch out for your head on the polyps. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh gosh, there's some really low ones. Yeah. And that exits us. Uh, we exit out of the colon into our healthy gut area. First of all, with a, a display here from our gastrointestinal research group. So here doing a virtual surgery. And on the other side, displays showing electrical activity through the gut. So through from the esophagus into the stomach. My speedy tour finished, I head up to the ABI building itself on Simmons Street to learn a bit more about the research work that's happening there. In particular, I'm interested to know how they get that information they need to make this digital twin work and how they use their model systems to investigate diseases. The heart itself is a muscle. Yeah, not many people know this. They will see the heart as just an organ that pumps blood around the body, supplying nutrients. But the heart itself requires energy too. Yeah. Dr. J.C. Han is fascinated by the heart and how it works. But he has no misguided view of it as a cute emoticon linked with our feelings. To him, it's an extremely hardworking, tough muscle. And he's interested in the energy it uses to pump blood and how efficiently it does this. It's not the same as other muscle in the body. The heart itself has very specific muscles. So the heart is made up of many muscle tissues, and within each muscle tissue, there are components in the tissue that allows the muscles to contract. There are like motors in the tissue, and they connect to each other. 
How all these heart muscle cells work together to contract and pump the blood is really neat. And yeah, complicated. But here's the summary version. Our internal pacemaker sends an electrical signal through the heart muscle cells. This triggers movement of different ions into the cells, which sets off the motors that JC talked about, driving the muscle action. You can get an idea of how this works if you place your hands flat down in front of you with the tips of the fingers level, but interlocking, so your fingernails are roughly on the same level. This is like the starting long length of the heart muscle cell. The electric signal comes, the ions flow, now slide your fingers together so that they interlock. This is the cell getting shorter and fatter, and when all the cells do this together, they contract the heart chambers and pump the blood around. But to do this work, the cells use energy. In utilizing this energy, they liberate heat. So my research is very specific. I focus on measuring the heat produced by lead muscles. I, in my research, would dissect muscle out of the heart, measuring the force and the heat from the muscle. We do this in order to quantify how efficient is the muscle under various conditions. Currently, we focus on understanding the fundamental size of the heart. So we use the red. From the red heart, we dissect tissue, muscle tissue out of the red heart. We also have other complementary projects that use human heart tissues. So those are patients that are undergoing um, surgery and we are fortunate to get a piece of muscle tissue from the patient heart. And those muscle tissues can continue to do their job that using energy to contract even outside of the heart. You are absolutely correct. When the muscle is out of the heart, we supply um, nutrients and oxygen to the muscle in order for the muscle. So the, the solution we supply mimic the um, blood compositions. JC and I are standing in front of the device that he uses to research at this fundamental level. It's called a work loop calorimeter. There's a microscope eyepiece hovering above a silver stage with different sensors attached to it. So we can open the lid of the device and through the microscope you can see um, two hooks. So the one hook we attach one end of the muscle tissue, the other hook we attach the other end of the muscle tissue with the muscle now hooked between the hooks and we have solutions flowing over the muscle supplying oxygen and nutrients to the muscles for it to be able to contract and function well. We electrically stimulate the muscle to contract, mimicking how the heart beats. Furthermore, we recreate, using this piece of tissue, the pattern of contraction of the heart. The heart itself in the body is um, ejecting blood and in our calorimeter, the muscle, we allow the muscle to shorten, mimicking the ejection of the heart. So this lets JC and others investigate the working of the heart at this tissue scale. They can figure out exactly what's going on with energy and efficiency per beat and feed that into their modelling of the cardiac system. But beyond fundamental understanding, they can also use it to investigate other things, like what happens to this energy efficiency when the heart is diseased? To make the muscle diseased, you can start from the animal. So we induce disease to animals. And when the animal develops heart 
failures, we can take muscle out of the heart. You can also change the um, nutrients supplied to the muscle in our calorimeter. You can have conditions that mimic unhealthy condition in the body for us to compare between healthy and unhealthy states. They've studied various things, including diabetes, hypertension, and high fat and sugar diets. Typically, the disease muscle have lower efficiency than the healthy, but not always the case. This is a bit surprise to us, and it's a novel finding that we will look into deeper. One thing they've tested from the nutrient point of view was fish oil, high in omega-3, thought to be good for the heart's energy use. Surprisingly, we found no evidence to support the notion that fish oil improved efficiency. So this is testing on one of those scales the body works at, the muscle cell and tissue. But just next door is another instrument that JC uses, which lets him study at whole heart level. Our assumption has been that the muscle we dissect out of the heart is a representation of the whole heart. In our research, we also study the whole heart. We dissect the whole heart out of a rat and we measure also the energy of the heart. We measure the work output of the heart when the heart pumps saline solutions out. We also quantify the oxygen consumed by the heart. So now, oxygen consumed by the heart is equivalent to the heat and the work produced by these little muscles. So now it, these two levels experiments give us the opportunity to translate, to compare, to relate their performance. Let me bring you to our working heart stations where we now study instead of muscle, we study the whole heart. So it's just a couple of steps away from the calorimeter. Okay, so explain to me what I'm looking at. So you are looking at a rig that has many tubings. Mm. Don't be surprised and don't be confused. I know what the purpose of each tubing. The heart would, the heart isolator from the red would sit here. The tubings, all the tubing will be connected to the heart. The tubings are like blood vessels in the body. Now we make the heart to pump the solutions. Solution goes into the heart the heart then eject the solution out. So we will measure the oxygen in the solution before the solution goes into the heart. Then we will measure oxygen in the solution after the solution has gone past the heart. So the difference in oxygen content in the solutions before and after gives an indication of the oxygen consumed by the heart. Right now, JC is using this to investigate an interesting phenomenon that happens in the heart and one that seems to be very important to designing better pacemakers. I want to sing a song. May I? Please. Mm. It's a song by Rosette. You may know the song, Listen to Your Heart. Yeah? Listen to your heart when it's calling for you. What do we listen? We listen to the time between beats. And we can hear variation in the time between beats. The variation is in sync with your breathing. Now, let's breathe in. Can you hear that your heart rate increases? Timing between beat is smaller. Now you breathe out. Your heartbeat decreases. Oh, this is called heart rate variability. 
and this metric is now frequently used to assess overall heart health. We tend to think of the heart as a constant metronome just ticking away. But it's not the case. This variability seems to be an important factor, and when it changes, it's a sign of a diseased heart. So the whole heart rig that JC works with allows him to investigate this and hopefully figure out solutions for when things go wrong. Because we pace the heart and the muscle, we can control how we pace the heart. We can pace the heart faster, high rate of pacing, or slower, or high and low combinations, unique combinations. We want to see how the heart responds to condition with and without variation in the timing between consecutive beats. Let me finish the song that I was singing. Yeah? The second line in the chorus of the song is Listen to your heart when it's calling for you. When it's calling for you, yeah? And listen to your heart. There's nothing else you can do. So when you use smartphone and listen to your heartbeat and find that your heart, the variation in your heartbeat decreases, which it will with aging, with heart condition or health conditions, there's nothing else you can do. This is a question that we are trying to answer. Is there something else we can do to help and to rescue the heart? We believe that, yes, there is a strategy where we can now make a change to how we treat the diseased heart. In terms of pacemaker, conventional pacemaker pace the heart um, with no variations in the timing between beats. If our experimental data shows that there is an advantage pacing the heart variably, mimicking physiological natural condition, then we are in a position to impact the design of the pacemaker. And I hope that the next song that I will sing is And my heart will go on and on. This is the kind of fundamental research and modelling that all feeds into the digital twin. Back at the cloud, Professor Marin Tafai tells me that her research focus is on the respiratory system, the lungs and breathing and what happens when things go wrong. But you can't just look at this in isolation. Bodies don't work that way. So if I've got somebody who has a respiratory disease, clearly I'm not so interested in what's going on in their you know, little toe. Yeah, it doesn't really, it's not meaningful. But I am interested in what their body composition is because that's going to influence uh, what's going to determine their metabolic rate and that's going to influence their oxygen uptake and therefore that is going to influence their heart rate, their respiratory rate and so on. So we can't look at one organ system alone, we do need to look at, at whole body interactions. The newborn is connected to exactly, the exactly, and that's yeah. where the digital yeah. twin comes in. Yeah. Is that you have that yeah. whole body yes. modelling that yeah. you can look at. That's right. I mean, the, look, the long term aim, the twenty year vision, is that a digital twin is not just a snapshot of you now. It's actually accumulating your lifetime of clinical information and health information, right? So if you've been 
you've been a Fitbit wearer or your Apple Watch, you know, you've been wearing that in your younger years and you've been running and so forth, that's all health information, right? And, and you can retain that information, you own that information. That can inform the digital twin. At a later point, you might be, you know, suspected of having a heart disease. And so the, the early data that we now have captured in your digital twin can help to inform clinical decision making when you might be middle-aged. So 20 years down, are there major breakthroughs that the ABI has made that you're particularly proud of? Actually what the ABI has done that's a really breakthrough is we now have this wonderful pipeline from research through entrepreneurship and into commercialisation. And without that, our research can't make its way into actually being used by the public, by patients, by clinicians. Right? And so that's, it's, it's unique and it's, it's really, it's growing, it's exciting. And so the next 20 years, what are you looking forward to and what are you hoping to achieve over the next two decades? Well, my vision, you know, it's, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people, you know, and that's what ABI is about. It's the research that we do, it's fantastic, but it's driven by the people. And the next 20 years, actually, it's seeing uh, this young generation coming through and leading, that's what's really exciting. You know, we have great people who are very ready to take on board new technologies, you know, AI is now, you know, exploding, it's very topical. For us, it's understanding how to adopt these new technologies in an appropriate way that works for New Zealand. Thanks to Professor Marin Tafai, Tamil Selvan Gunaserkaran, and Dr. JC Han of the Auckland Bioengineering Institute. Namihi hoki kia na korowai nu te farikura o kirikiriroa. Kokrekan kanana ho te kaiho tu o tene hotaka i afina mai a Liz Garten rawa ko Ellen Rikers. I produced this one with help from Liz and Ellen. Sound engineering was by Phil Bench. Ko te mokin te tumu kaiho tu o na kone iparangi meno hotaka kitereo irirangi o aotearoa. Tim Mokin is executive producer of podcasts and series. Kia faia iteau hurihanga ite tahi taupanga paiake kiokwe. Follow Our Changing World on your favourite podcast app to never miss an episode. Our website is at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld and you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at RNZ Science. We were delighted last week to win the best factual podcast in the episodic category of the New Zealand Radio Awards, jointly with our friends at The Detail. You can find the detail and a whole host of excellent podcasts under the Podcasts and Series tab on the main RNZ website. In the few days after the award, Our Changing World rocketed up the Apple Podcast charts, which was pretty cool to see. If you enjoy the podcast, please do share it with your friends and family. We would love to see it hit number one on the New Zealand Science Podcast chart. Te koe i mai. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Kia pai tō wiki. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com 
or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.